0: Hey there future fans, welcome back to Future Flicks with Billiam. This is episode 59, we're almost to 60 and you know what that means. I don't, but maybe you could tell me. This week we have the usual news and trailer trove. I have a little bit of personal news for you, which involved a meeting I had today. And then we have movies, movies, movies. It is a good week for movies. What movies are coming out and what are their scores? Stay tuned and find out. This is Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome back to future flicks with billiam thank you for tuning in once again thank you to all my returned listeners and thank you to everyone who answered the question of the week this week i actually had a brilliant idea and it was 100 percent my idea not given to me by ann or the encore gamers at all no 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 i had no help with this i actually hit twitter and instagram with the question of the week a couple days before i recorded just to remind people and maybe get some answers for some people who may not listen to the show maybe you're here maybe you're listening welcome i hope you like what you're hearing before we get into the news trailers movies and my personal news let's talk about what it is we do here on future flicks so if you are a return listener welcome back and thank you thank you for always returning And if you're a new listener, welcome to the show. I hope you like what you hear. Who is this man with the silky voice? No, I am not binging with Babbage's second cousin. No, no. My name is Billiam, and I am from Somewhat Nerdy, a nerdy website where we are really nerdy, and we're nerdy all the time. This is Future Flix, and on this show, I go over every movie that comes out during the week, and I give it a score, and I give it my thoughts on it, and you know, I tell you what it's about, too. You know, I, I do that for you. The score I give is called the Billiams Interest Level Score, or the Bill Score, and that goes from 0 for the really bad films, and an 11 for the really, really good films. Like I've said already, also on the show I go over whatever news I noticed and whatever trailers I noticed, and sometimes I miss news and trailers. I am not perfect. So if I do miss something, always let me know, and I will try bringing it up on the next episode. So before we get into the news, let me tell you what my news is. I met with some friends the night of the 19th, and friends I haven't seen in a while, just because we, the both groups have been really busy. And you know, it's just one of those situations where you want to hang out with the other group and you can just never meet up. And then eventually we just stopped talking about meeting up. And I hate to say it, but that eventually happened. Well, they had reached out to me first by sending me a birthday card and just saying, hey, I hope everything's going well. And so I reached back out to them and I actually ran into uh, Big D, You may have heard me talk about him on the show, Big D the Movie Hunter. He has a great series on YouTube that I link in the description. Big D and his wife, we met along with my best friend, AJ, and we talked about doing a new podcast. I want to keep it all a little secret for now, and I'm going to tell Snarf Chris about this tomorrow so uh, he doesn't hear it on the show before he hears it from me. But we're looking to record our first episode next week. But of course, I don't have all the equipment necessary to give everyone their own mics. So this is, isn't is going to be like somewhat nerdy radio, nerds of the squared circle, or watch your mouth. This is going to be more like Uncorked Gamers, where there's going to be more of us and one or two mics. Because I bought this beautiful soundboard, and I have no idea how to use it. The piece of shit didn't come with any instructions. And I hooked it up the way I thought it would be hooked up, and... It doesn't work. I'm going to talk to Snarf Chris about it, see if he can help me figure something out. Why did I bring that up? It's just so the first episode may sound so wrong to us that maybe we don't publish it right away and maybe we have to re-record. So just because we now have an idea for a podcast, we have a name for a podcast, and we have a date that we're going to record the first one doesn't mean it's going to come out anytime soon. Hopefully within a month from recording. That is what I hope. So please stay tuned to the somewhat nerdy radio network for the new podcast. Which should be coming in, like I said, about a month. So that is it for my news. So let's jump right into the news. Which I haven't thought—you know—I haven't thought of a jingle for this yet, because these somewhat nerdy radio guys—they had a clip of Morbo from VTRAMA saying doom, but then they got Ken from Watch Your Mouth to do it. Which that—that that man's voice is like a very good Scotch, smooth and peaty. Whatever the f- peaty means. So I have to think of something. I have to think of something for us, don't don't I? Okay, I will. I'll work on that. That is my promise to you. I will work on it. So first in the news, according to Slash Films, True Lies, if you remember, this was the movie from 1994, directed by James Cameron, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tom Arnold, the late, great Bill Paxton, Cynthia Carrera, and Eliza Dushku. Well, this is being turned into a TV show on Fox, directed by Mick G. He's been attached to the show. This could be good news, depending on Mick G. He does great work on Supernatural, or the first six seasons of Supernatural, but he's also done some sh**. He's done the Charlie's Angels movies, which I can appreciate as a bad movie, That I will watch it and I'll enjoy it, but I'll enjoy it because it's bad. And you don't really want that for a TV show. There's only so much of that you can take. For a movie, it's fine because it's one and a half to what, three hours sometimes at most for a movie, mainly one and a half to two hours for most movies of a bad movie. But for a bad TV show week after week for at least one season, which could be depending on the run 13 to 26 episodes, that would be too much. The network has already put in the order for the pilot, so we will be seeing it. What does that mean? That means that even if all signs are pointing to it's going to be a bad show, everything they see from the set looks bad, or it gets some really bad press, the, the pilot will still be made. But will the show actually last is the question. Probably not, because this is network TV we're talking about here. And if you're a regular on Feature you hear me talk about network TV a lot, and I usually talk about it. And that is because... That network TV is terrible. They, they have some great shows. They've had some fantastic shows too. But the problem with network television is that a lot of times they just throw a lot of shit to the wall just to see what sticks. And then they'll have good shows and even bad shows that they only give one season and then they drop it like a bad habit, but we never got that second season to see if the show will find its stride. I understand from a money perspective why they do that, but of course they could be missing out on a lot more money if the show took off. Fox, of course, is notorious for doing this. The big four are notorious for doing this. This is Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, but Fox more so than the others is notorious for giving shows the ax. So we will see if True Lies, makes it past one season. Next in the news, CinemaBlend is reporting that Justice League will have two Green Lanterns in it. Which two Green Lanterns? No one knows. If Medius, the god of all Medias, smiles upon me, his lowly servant, it will be Jon Stewart and Kyle Raynor. Though that is my hope for the two Green Lanterns, even though, I don't think Kyle Rayner will be in it. I just think Hal Jordan is a gigantic dickhead and I hate his Green Lantern. Next in the news, according to Mark Hamill, a vintage Star Wars comic, that's issue 49 of the 1977 Star Wars comic, has spoilers for The Last Jedi. So if you have that comic or know someone who has it, avoid it unless you want a spoiler. So then go ahead and read it if you don't give a But this is yet to be confirmed if it's real or a joke. But then if you really care about spoilers, Especially for one of the biggest movies of the year, if not the biggest movie, then why risk it? And finally in the news, sad news out of Hollywood, as some of you may have already heard, actor Harry Dean Stanton died at the age of 91 on the 15th of this month. It's reported that he died of natural causes. If you don't think you know him, you do. Trust me, Google him and you'll see his picture and you'll go, oh, damn, it's that guy. He was great. Personally, I will always remember him as Brett in Alien. You know, he was a crew member who died looking for his cant. He's done so much more than that. But that—that that is my first memory of Harry Dean Stanton. And it just stands out to me because a lot of times I don't remember what my first memory for an actor is well folks that is it for the news let's jump into the next segment which as always is the trailer trove avast and welcome to the trailer trove isn't that a great sea shanty don't you just want to dance a jig no okay i I know you don't i know but thank you for humoring me each and every week and listening to that unless you fast forward it and uh, i'll cry a little I'll just cry a little if that's the case. Well, let's start with the first trailer that jumped out to me, and that was Gilbert. This is a documentary about stand-up comedian Gilbert Gottfried, and it takes a look past his comedy. Well, there's a lot of his comedy in it, but also about his life. Like, did you know he's a cheap bastard who rides the bus, and that whenever he goes to a show like Leno, of course, Leno's not on, so Fallon, God, I'm old. At least I didn't say Carson. So Fallon... And those other people, Kimmel, that's another one, or Conan, he will take all of the snacks and drinks that they put out in the guest room or wherever they they are. Of course, you didn't know that, but if you watch the documentary, you will. Now, here's the thing is how okay you are with Gilbert Gottfried, because he is known to be a super offensive comedian. He was at the roast of George Takei for the Friars Club, not those stupid Comedy Central roasts. Okay, I say stupid, but some of them are really funny. But these are the the gross that still happen in the Friars Club. And he had his whole segment be a whole bunch of gay jokes. And I'll tell you this, he didn't actually use the word gay. He chose another colorful word to use. So you have the fact that he's this very crude comedian, but also the fact that he got into trouble quite a few years ago talking about the Japanese tsunami back in 2011. Uh, let me look that up. Yes, 2011. If you remember, he was the voice for the Aflac Duck, and then he got fired because of the offending tweet. Well, it seems like he has been forgiven because the George Takei roast I talk about was after this, but a lot of people never forgave him for this. But if you're willing to look past his offensiveness and the fact that he basically has no filter. This looks like it's going to be a good documentary showing us a side of a comedian that we've never seen before. All of us know Gilbert Godfrey. You know Gilbert Godfrey. You really do. Even if it's just from Aladdin as a voice of Iago. In this documentary you'll see him with his wife and children and seeing him just be a normal person, which is weird, and I'm going to put this on my to-be-watched list. I'm definitely going to skip this in the theater, even with my movie pass card hopefully coming any week now. But even with that, I'm going to put this on the back burner, but it looks interesting, so keep this in mind. The next movie that got a trailer was a movie called All I See Is You. This is a drama thriller starring Blake Lively, Jason Clarke, and Yvonne Strahovsky. This is about a blind woman who gets sight in one eye. Or maybe both eventually, just the trailer mentioned One-Eye, so maybe she gets all her sight back later. But after she does, her life and her relationship with her husband changes as she, according to IMDb here, discovers disturbing details about themselves. This is directed by Mark Foster, who did movies like Quantum of Solace, World War Z, Stranger Than Fiction, Finding Neverland, Monsters Ball, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, a good director, one would say. Next in the trove, we have the trailer for a movie called All the Money in the World. This is a historical drama about Jean-Paul Getty's grandson getting kidnapped and the search for the kid since Getty won't pay a dime for the ransom. This stars Michelle Williams, Mark Wahlberg, Kevin Spacey, and Timothy Hutton. This comes out on December 8th and... Finally, in the trove, we have a geriatric comedy starring Morgan Freeman, Tommy Lee Jones, Rene Russo, and Joe Pantliano. This is called Just Getting Started, and it's about a guy, Freeman, who's the big deal at his retirement community, and one day, another old man, played by Tommy Lee Jones, shows up and threatens his superiority. Then someone starts to threaten the life of the old tenant, Freeman again, so he turns to the new guy who is ex-military to help him out. It turns out that, Freeman was a witness to the mob or against the mob, and now they're coming for him. This comes out on December 8th as well. And that is it for the trailer trove. But before we jump into the movies, let's hear a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Stay tuned. Good journey, nerds. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Starf Chris, and The Dude with the Headband. We talk about Wrestling and More Wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someonenerdycoms Nerds in the Square Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on someonenerdy.com. And we're back. We're going to start this week's movies off with a movie that I I believe I've talked about already, and it could be because IMDb is woefully unreliable. That movie is called Loving Vincent. This is an animated film about the life and mysterious death of Vincent van Gogh. This stars Sersha Ronan, and if you don't think you know who that is, let me spell the name for you, and you might recognize the spelling. S-A-O-I-R-S-E. Sersha. That's right. Further proof that Gaelic is a made-up language. Right, I'm sorry, it's not. But that, come on, that is f***ed up right there. Anyway, this stars Sersha Ronan from Hannah and the Grand Budapest Hotel... Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones, Aidan Turner from The Hobbit, and Chris O'Dowd from the IT crowd. So like I said, I believe I talked about this movie before, but the more I think of it, it may have been in a trailer trope or it may have been a festival showing that I messed up and talked about anyway. But I do remember saying this, that this movie boasts that it's the first painted movie. And here are the facts on what that means. This movie has 12 oil paintings per second, all done by over 100 painters trained in the same style. So needless to say, this is going to be a super stylized animated movie. It looks really good, at least to me, because I love art. I love Vincent van Gogh, especially. I grew up loving Van Gogh because Van Gogh is my mom's favorite painter. So there are tons of Van Gogh books around the house. And also, like I've said many times before, one of my favorite episodes of doctor who is called vincent and the doctor when the doctor and amy go and visit vincent van gogh so i know there was voice acting involved in this but what i don't know is actually how it was made did they have the actors just pose for the different scenes like all of these different scenes or did they have the actors actually act out the movie and then have the painters like painstakingly paint each and every millisecond of action either way this looks interesting it looks really beautiful and it looks like A movie that, if if Vincent van Gogh painted a movie, this is what it looks like. It's painted in his style. This looks good. I want to see it. I will see it. But I will not see this in theaters because it is, guess what, a limited release. And so I would much rather wait and buy this later or wait to see if it comes on streaming. Loving Vincent gets a 7 out of 11. And the next movie on the list is another indie film. Another indie film involving art. Well, kind of involving art. You'll, you'll hear about that later. But this one is a bit more indie than our previous offering. This movie is called Woodshock. A woman gets more and more paranoid after taking a deadly drug. This stars Kirsten Dunst from Spider-Man and Pilo Asbik from Ghost in the Shell. If any of you are familiar with the world of fashion, this movie was written and directed by Kate and Laura Malevy, who are the masterminds behind the brand of Rodart. These people are big. Some of their sketches, pieces, and even some videos of their work are in museums, like the Cooper Hewitt Museum, which is the design branch of the Smithsonian, and various museums in Los Angeles as well. So, two artsy designers made a movie. And guess what? It looks like s***. This feels like one long media installation at an art museum that somehow got released into a theater circuit. This trailer made no sense at all, and the only reason I had the premise I did is because I ripped it straight from IMDb. Because after watching the trailer twice, that's twice, I had no idea what to say. I had no idea what to write down. I like the two main actors in this, but this looks like pandering artsy bullshit. This looks like a dirty homage to psychedelic movies. This should be avoided at all costs, unless you want to do a bunch of acid and then go for it and watch this movie. I would have a different view of this movie if it was showing in a museum. I've seen movies in art museums before, like some super fancy new age art. If this was there, I would look at it differently because it's it's art in an art museum as opposed to art in movie form, which you, you know, all movies are art, everything from Transformers to this. If you want to get all technical about it, just like books are art, everything from Stephen King to Karmic McCarthy. But when you go to see a movie versus when you go to an art gallery, you expect different things. So I am more than willing to watch complete weird bullshit in an art gallery. But if I go to a movie, this is not what I want. But maybe it's your thing. Maybe you don't have the same hangups as I do. But If you do, then you'll view this the same way. This looks like crap that should be avoided. Woodshock gets a one out of 11. Let's keep this art theme train going with a documentary this time. And this one is called Bobby Jean. This is a documentary about dancer Bobby Jean as she breaks off on her own. Good God Almighty, this is a heaping pile of sh**. Not not fresh sh**. Mind you, this is that type of sh- you find out in the woods somewhere that's been sitting out all day, maybe a few days, and it's white and crusty. And if you look at it wrong, it falls apart. That's what this is. So allow me to explain. I'm fine with dancing. I don't get the appeal of the kind of stuff you see on So You Think You Can Dance in America's Best Dance Group or whatever the f- it's called, but it's impressive. I can't imagine why someone would go, you know what, I'll do that for a living. That's gonna be easy. But if you do, and if that's you, good for you. I'm glad you found what you're passionate about. You can say the same thing about being a podcaster. Look at all the money I'm making. But still, things like that on those two shows I mentioned, they're impressive. I've seen a few of Jabberwocky's videos and I'm impressed. But this, this dancing that Bobby Jean does is some sort of high art crap that is indistinguishable from a seizure. Is Bobby Jean dancing or is she overdosing on LSD? Well, why not both? So there's a scene in the trailer when she's asking her boyfriend if she should do a naked dance, and sure, why not? Tits would be the only interesting thing in this whole f***ing movie. I would gladly watch a marathon of Fifty Shades of Grey, so all three movies, even the one that's yet to come out, over this self-indulgent, contrived mess even once. Realize, please realize what it is I just said. The Fifty Shades of Grey series is one of my personal most hated groups of movies ever, and books. They are terrible. They are poorly written, poorly acted, poorly presented, and the book and movie gives the wrong view and wrong impression of the BDSM community. Even saying all that, I would rather watch all three movies than this piece of shit once. Right, here's a question here's an honest question have you ever been to a show and by show i mean concert where there's some people dancing that look lost in their own world like the music they're dancing to is in their own head and you can't help but stare at them and wonder what the f- is going on with them like they're doing these weird kind of tentacly motions with their arms while kind of looking all over the place like if you watch footage from woodstock all of that shit. the kind of dancing she does is that mixed with a muppet having a stroke that's what this is. If you want to get an idea of the kind of artsy sht this is, Bobby Jean has a YouTube channel and you can watch some of her videos and notice that it is just crap. This documentary is a huge wankfest and only douchebags and art snobs will be interested in seeing this. Bobby Jean gets a 0 out of 11. Well, enough about that crap. Let's talk about a movie that will leave a slightly better taste in our mouths that movie is called Victoria and Abdul. This is a story of Queen Victoria and her friendship with her young Indian servant named Abdul Karim. This stars Dame Judi Dench from Skyfall, Ali Vazal from A Small Role in Furious 7, Michael Gambon from Harry Potter, and Eddie Izzard from the stand-up special Dressed to Kill. This was directed by Stephen Frears, who did movies you would know, High Fidelity, The Queen, and Philomena. What we have here... Is a movie that took its idea from a book by the same name and just made it easier to digest. So basically, they sugarcoated it. Did they lie? No. No, not really. They just showed us the best pieces and made it even more happy go lucky and pretty. There are already some people who are against this movie. Various movie reporters and bloggers have already written about it. The type of people who will say something along the lines of this is just a British filmmaker putting rose colored glasses up to the murky British history. They'll go on to say things like that they're just showing and embellishing all the good while leaving out anything negative. How this is just modern propaganda. But just remember that those people are idiots. But do they have valid points? Yeah, sure. But not everything is that evil and planned out. I doubt that the directors and writers were sitting behind these closed-door meetings with their evil finger pyramids of contemplation stroking their huge mustaches while drinking brandy or whatever is evil people drink going how will we lie about british history this month i know we'll make a movie no this isn't like during world war ii when countries had movies made to support the war effort like super propaganda movies this is just someone who wanted to make a simple movie that's it and that's just fine that's just what the film is it's simple we know this kind of story this is familiar and this film feels similar to mrs brown you think you recognize that title that's from a 1997 movie starring dame judy dench playing queen victoria and it's about her relationship with her servant of that time named brown so both of these stories are based on true events both of them about the same queen and the same woman playing the queen both of these are about the queen's real life relationship with the servants and both at times follow a similar pattern but you have to ask yourself how big of a deal is that and also how big of a deal is it that they may have sugarcoated things do you care at all if not then maybe you should check out this movie once it hits streaming do you care for some weird reason then skip this then easy peasy but for the rest of us this is going to be a standard movie there's not going to be anything amazing about it it's not going to be the must-see movie of the season but it's not going to be terrible This is going to be a reliable movie to watch to put on your list, but not to see in theaters. Victoria and Abdul gets a 6 out of 11. Alright folks, next up on this week's list of movies is a movie called Tiger Hunter. A young Indian man relocates to Chicago to become an engineer, but finds out it's not as easy as that. His job falls through and he's forced to share a room with other Indian men who, instead of being the engineers they should be, are taxi drivers and valets. When the love of his life comes to visit, he must fake it until he makes it, as he pretends to be a successful engineer. This stars Danny Pudi from Community and John Heder from Napoleon Dynamite. So this is going to be a very basic, very familiar comedy that's going to be overlooked by anyone, because I guarantee it, the minute this episode of Future Flix is over, a lot of you will forget about this. Even when I was preparing my notes, I forgot about this movie until I was rereading and going, oh yeah, that's a thing. I like the actors, and I especially like Danny Pudi, but this movie just looks boring. It doesn't bring anything new to the table. Okay, sure, we have seen movies like this before, and I have said time and time again that if you can do something well enough, it doesn't matter how many times you've done a certain story, but it doesn't look like they do this good enough. This is going to be a feel-good romantic comedy with A lot of jokes based on the fact that this is a foreigner in a strange land. And that America is not the land of milk and honey that he was told. The good thing about it is that it does seem to be equal with its making fun of people. Looks like it takes a mick out of everyone equally and i like that I can respect it for that the sad thing is this movie feels so done before that if this had been a DVD release and I had walked through the store and saw this I was like oh I never knew this movie is made I would have expected it to be an older movie something that had been out for a while that I just missed in theaters not something coming out this week when I was doing my notes I, I sat at my desk for quite a long time trying to think of something good to say because I feel like that this is the type of movie I would enjoy But it's also the type of movie that I would keep it on my Netflix queue for a good year or two before finally breaking down and watching it. This looks like something that I would put on my list, but just wait to see. Kind of like last year's Don't Think Twice with Mike Berbiglia, Keegan-Michael Key, Jillian Jacobs. And I remember that episode where I talked about that. And I said that this is a movie I definitely want to try and see. Or at least I believe I did, because my memory is terrible. But it turns out it wasn't something I saw right away. And it sat on... My Netflix queue for a long time until Anne suggested that we watch it, and we did, and it was good. The difference between Don't Think Twice and The Tiger Hunter is that Don't Think Twice is was a really good movie. It was well done, well written, well acted. While I think this is just a mediocre movie. So that being said, if you want to watch a mediocre comedy, put this on your list to be watched later, and maybe like me, if it comes on a streaming service, put it on your list and forget about it until a year or two down the line, where you watch it and go, "Huh, that was okay." But for right now, forget it exists because it's just not interesting enough to warrant effort. The Tiger Hunter gets a 5.5 out of 11. And with that, my future friends, it is time for the second and last break of the show. So this time we're going to hear words from our friends at Watch Your Mouth Podcast and Uncork Gamers. And who knows, maybe when I'm done with my new promo, they might play it on their shows. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach wall-to-wall filthy fucking language go to a grocery store i'm like i know exactly what i need i get in there I'm like fuck. yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Fuck did i even come here for with our charity swear jar every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction the motherfucker's a mouth breather gaming movies life musings it's all here served on a bed of and garnished with a crown of shut the fuck up how the fuck did we get here fuck all that fucking fuck a jelly bean so if you want to hear us do good things with bad words check out the watch your mouth podcast on iTunes iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. I'm Dan. I'm Jeff. And we're the Uncourt Gamers. Have you been looking for a video game podcast where people don't get insider knowledge, where people don't have access to games early, and they're just everyday Joes like you? Is that the same podcast that I've been looking for where sometimes we don't even talk about video games? That's right. This is the Uncore Gamers, the gaming podcast where we talk about games when there's gaming news. If there's not, we don't try to half-fist game stuff into your throat. We'll talk about things like the 90s, parenting, and, and the 80s, and the 80s. <laughs> All right. So if you're looking for a video game podcast where people make bad decisions just like you do in your everyday life, check out the Uncored Gamers. We're all just a bunch of scumbags. So remember, if it isn't about video games, we'll find a way to make it about video games. All right, welcome back. Welcome back to the show. We're going to start this off with a movie called Stronger. This is based on the true story of Jeff Bauman, a man who lost his legs in the Boston Marathon bombing of 2013 and the struggle he went through to get where he is today. This stars Jake Gyllenhaal from Zodiac, Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black, and Miranda Richardson from The Hours. All right, folks, I think you all know what I'm going to say about this. Nothing bad, of course, because uh, I think this is a story that deserves to be told. a honest telling of this struggle that this man went through, that everyone looks at him as a hero, but he's going through all this strife in his own life. Like, can he do this? And does he even want to do it? Does he just want to give up and die? But he has a responsibility now that goes beyond him as this pillar of light of this example to the people of Boston after one of the darkest times in their history. Hell, one of the darkest times in American history. So I have nothing wrong with that. What I have a problem with is how good, how really good Jake Gyllenhaal is. And you've heard me talk about this before. You've heard me talk about him and especially the movie Nightcrawler and how he was so good in it playing this heartless sociopath that it made me uncomfortable and i noticed that's one of my main problems with him is and it's not a bad problem per se it's just a problem that keeps me from watching a lot of his movies that he gets so intense it affects me maybe i'm just a pu- i am just a I do not know i just know that he is one of the most intense actors the silver screen has ever seen and if i think anyone could have pulled this off it was going to be him so I warn you, before you go see this, assuming you're gonna go see this at all, assuming that you even are interested at all, but if you are, and before you sit down to watch it, just remember that this is Jake Gyllenhaal we're talking about, so he is going to make you feel every f-ing thing that Jeff Bauman went through, the mental, and physical struggle and all of the demons that came with that sure it's going to be triumphant it's going to be one of those movies where they say oh a triumphant celebration of the human spirit or something like that not that there's anything wrong with that it's just shitty buzzwords and you all know how i feel about that but this is a movie that i want to be pumped for more but the trouble is that it's probably going to be so real so gritty so dark at times that is it even going to be enjoyable is this the type of movie that should be enjoyable or should this be an uncomfortable movie from beginning till about a little bit before the end because i'm assuming it's going to have a happy ending because while the guy's alive and wrote a book about it and you know was a hero and all that so in this seemingly hard-hitting and dark way did they present this correctly whether they did or didn't the question is, is this a movie you want to see? I think this is going to be a good movie. Is it going to be a great movie? No, I don't think this is going to be an awards contender. Maybe actor for Hall. maybe, but I think that's going to be it. If anything, this is getting a 96% from those assholes at Rotten Tomatoes. And if those dick- like it, then, you know, it's probably going to be good, but even if it's going to be good. Do you want to put this on your list for me? I'm going to put it on my list and brave through the fact that this is going to be dark, gritty and real. It may end on a good note but getting there is going to be quite an ordeal but what about you my future friends is this going on any list of yours did you even know this movie was coming out do you think that this is just using a tragedy and inspiring story from it just to make money or do you think that this is a movie that honestly deserved to be made stronger gets a 7 out of 11. next up on the list my future friends is two horror movies Coming out in September. So two movies paving the way for the Halloween season. And the first one is a sequel. And it's called The Houses That October Built 2. Last year, five friends went in search of the scariest haunted house attraction in America. And they winded up being kidnapped by a group called the Blue Skeleton. Now they decided they need to face their fear and go out again in search of the scariest haunted house. But they notice signs that the Blue Skeleton is coming back. So this doesn't star anyone of note, so I'm not going to mention that, but I am going to mention the fact that the writers and directors star in this movie too. I'm also going to mention that just A couple months ago, I noticed the houses that October built on Netflix, or is it Hulu? One of the two, and thought, oh, that looks interesting. Then Ann tells me that she saw it and it was good, as far as a low-budget documentary-style horror goes. Then I talked to more people who said they saw it, and said that it actually was a lot better than they thought it was going to be. So what we have in our hands is a movie that's kind of a cult hit i don't think it was big enough to be considered a cult but it was big enough to warrant a sequel so the sequel brings all the same people back in the same sort of scary sh- just watch the trailer this is really creepy it's a lot of people in masks and you may be saying well duh that's halloween Uh, people in masks no like the type of like doll masks with dead eyes behind them and and rooms full of people in these masks just kind of staring at you and not doing anything and laughing children noises coming from the woods and i don't know how to explain it just creepy ass and this movie is full of it this looks terrifying in fact, which is really saying something because it takes a lot to scare me. And no, I'm not trying to puff out my chest and act all machismo, whoa, it takes a lot to scare me, I'm a man, I have big old testicles. No, I love horror movies, I watch a lot of them and very few times am I actually scared. I'll still enjoy it, but I don't feel fear. Some of the movies that have made me feel fear are like the Conjuring movies, parts of Insidiouses, the Insidiae, Insidi- Insidiouses, however you plural that, the first Paranormal Activity because I never saw the others, but that's that's really it. All the other ones, I can go, oh, that's scary, and sit there and appreciate it from a, from a logical standpoint going, oh, I can see how that's frightening, but not actually be scared. This one looks like it would scare me, and I look forward to watching it. I have mentioned before that there is a lot of great hidden gems in low-budget horror movies, some of them straight to DVD or VOD, some of them limited releases, but there are some really good gems out there. And also low-budget horror movies are ones that are sometimes hard to judge by the trailer. Like last week's Beach Massacre at Kill Devil Hills, obviously sh- That is obviously going to be a big old bucket of sh- But take a movie like Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. That trailer looked absolutely horrible and the only reason i saw it is because i saw the movie on sale at at a fries for a dollar and so i bought it and it was really good and i'm glad i did the trailer for the houses that october built the first one kind of looked Wilson, and it didn't really interest me until i heard more about it and then when i was watching the trailer for this one i noticed something that they kind of brag about who their producers are and some of their producers worked on insidious and paranormal activity What two movies did I mention when I say things that actually scared me? Insidious and Paranormal Activity. So if you want to see a good low-budget horror movie and you want to psych yourself up for the Halloween season, then watch this. Definitely watch it. This could be good. But we also have the original movie on Netflix or Hulu. Again, I forget which and I'm too much of a lazy ass to look it up but we have the original one on one of the major streaming services. So what you could do for your Halloween movie marathon, because we're all gonna have a Halloween movie marathon, right, right, is put it on it. But is the Houses at October built 2 going to be a movie that you should watch in theaters? It really depends. For most of us, it's gonna be a no. But for some of you, some of you who really love Halloween and who really love horror movies, this may be something to watch, just because it's going to wet the palate for the Halloween season. For the season that we're going to see more of these movies on TV, more of these movies are going to hit HBO Star's Encore, things like that. More of these movies are are going to be featured on streaming services. And it's also going to get us ready for Leatherface, for Jigsaw, some of the other horror movies coming out in October. So do you want to watch this in theaters? No, probably not, but this is definitely something to put on your list for next year's movie marathon for Halloween. The Houses at October Built 2 gets a 7 out of 11. So i said there were two horror movies this week and the second one is called friend request the popular girl in school accepts a friend request from one of the outcasts only to unfriend her a little later causing the outcast to kill herself it's then that a demonic presence shows up in the popular girl's life starting to kill off all of her closest friends this stars alicia dibnem Carey. From Fear the Walking Dead. All right, so this is supposed to be the big horror release of the week. And arguably it's bigger than the houses that October built too. Because some of you may have heard of this one. A lot of the movies I've seen in the past few weeks have had trailers for this. And they've been trying to build hype. For a while now. I've seen a lot of trailers for this and Death Day even though Death Day looks pretty funny and this one just well we'll talk about it. And this is a movie I'm surprised hasn't been done sooner. Horror movies are usually the first to jump on some sort of new anything be it a gadget or a new craze or anything just because horror movies like to make what's normal scary even though in this case it's not Facebook being scary it's a demon. But still, the premise is based around Facebook, and and unless they don't call it Facebook, and they come up with some embarrassing name for it. You know there are a lot of TV shows out there that when they mention some sort of social media, they make up a name. Oh, hey, add me on Friendspace. Everyone's doing it. And you're just sitting there rubbing the bridge of your nose going, why? Why did you name it that? Well, that's because they don't want to deal with any legal crap when it comes to using the name of a well-known social media. The sad thing about this movie is that it looks like a basic horror movie with a teenage cast. I mean, I don't think these actors are teenagers, but I'm pretty sure they're supposed to play them in the movie, or at least very young adults. So when we have these horror movies that have a young cast, they get into really stupid situations. But it also gives the creators an opportunity to make certain things scary. So for this young woman, Facebook is probably a really big deal, where to any of us adults, If something like this happened to us and our Facebook started getting haunted, we'd be like, all right, that no more Facebook. All right, I doubt it's going to be that easy in the movie, but the still, the point is that her level of interest in social media is going to add to the possible moments of terror. Just like in the movie Wish Upon, something Anne and I saw this summer, the girl used her wishes in a lot of really stupid ways that make sense for a teenager, someone who's still very shallow and focused on image and popularity. No, I'm not saying all teenagers are like that, but that's just the, what the ones in movies typically are, or these sort of movies, whereas uh, the rest of us may have made totally different wishes would the movie have ended differently no not really but it would have made it less interesting But when all is said and done, what we're left with is a mediocre horror movie. And like I've already alluded to in this episode and what I've said in many previous episodes before, this may be fine for a themed movie night. Yes, yes, that Halloween marathon I always talk about. I think this would be fine for that. But as a standalone movie, a movie to go out and buy or a movie to watch in theaters or to put any effort into seeing on your own. No, the answer is no, it doesn't look good enough. Will hardcore horror fans see it? Yes, I'll see it no matter what I say. But for the rest of us, and the rest of you, my future friends, who hang on every word that comes out of my mouth and holds it up as movie gospel, no, I think this is something that we can all skip and just watch later. It's going to be stupid. It's going to be predictable. But it's not going to be terrible. This isn't going to be some straight-to-VOD titty horror flick. Those are terrible. This is just going to be meh to bad, somewhere in between there. Friend Request gets a five out of 11. Ladies and gentlemen, before I jump into the last three films, the last three films I'm the most excited for, I wanna talk about the trailer for Tomb Raider, so we're gonna jump right back into the trove for just a little bit. The reason this episode dropped on Thursday instead of Wednesday is just because of, you know, bad timing, it has nothing to do with Destiny 2 and me playing way too much of it, not at all. That, that is a lie, if anyone says it, I will I will deny it. But seriously, Dan Kirk from Watch Your Mouth, be my friend. Dan from the Uncourt Gamers, be my friend, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just go around and shoot stuff and that seems to be good enough so far. But like I said, it's not because I was playing Destiny 2, no no, uh, it was uh, work and real, real adult things that was keeping me from, from doing this on time. But we got a trailer for Tomb Raider and it looks better than I could have hoped. If any of you saw, they released the poster the day before the trailer, and there was a lot of flack given to the trailer because it looks like Alicia Vikander the f- draft. They did some weird Photoshop thing with her neck that elongated it, and not even a reasonable amount. Like, really elongated it. Anyway, the trailer comes out and we see Lara Croft. We see that this story isn't based on the first game per se, so we still have the same bad guys. We, si- we still have Trinity, they're the bad guys in this. Lara Croft's father is still dead. And no, that's not a spoiler. These games have been out for a long time now, so it's your fault if you don't know. Also, they say in the trailer. But what we really see is Alicia Vikander dressed up like the Lara Croft from the new video games, really looking the part, really acting the part, being a badass chick who is straight up murking people with a bow and arrow set that she made in the woods. And then also using her signature pickaxe. Though the movie looks good, some of the CG in the trailer looked questionable but we've seen that before we've seen companies release trailers where the cg was bad just because they wanted to get a trailer out to start hype for it and then when the movie came out they had fixed it so hopefully that will be the case uh tomb raider looks really good this movie is set to come out on march 16th 2018 and alicia vikander looks way better than angelina jolie ever did all right it's time for the first of the three movies i'm really excited about and that movie is called the lego ninjago movie Six young ninjas are tasked with defending their home, but they must balance their ninja life with their regular life of high school. On top of that, Lloyd, the green ninja, must deal with the fact that his father is the enemy they all have to fight. This, of course, is an animated movie that features the voices of Dave Franco, Fred Armisen, Kumail Nanjiani, Michael Pena, Abby Jacobson, Zach Woods, Justin Thoreau, and Jackie Chan. This movie boasts that it comes from the same minds who made the Lego movie and the Lego Batman movie. But if you look deeper into it, the three directors have never worked on a Lego project before. And out of the 11 writers, only four of them have worked on previous Lego projects. But if you dig a little deeper into the producers that's when we see some familiar faces return the most of the producers have worked on the previous lego movies so i think that's what they mean when they say from the minds that brought you this so it's not the writers and it's not the directors but it's the producers behind it but fun fact one of the producers is writer seth graham smith who you would know from his work on abraham lincoln vampire hunter pride and prejudice and zombies and who is also working on the beetlejuice sequel. But here I find myself wondering what I really need to say. Because this is a Lego movie. This is the third Lego movie. The first two were really good. These movies are wonderfully self-aware. And also irreverent, but not so irreverent that things become difficult to follow. These movies are funny. These movies are charming. The animation is good. It actually looks like Legos moving around. I mean, things make sense for how it would work in a Lego world. The first movie, the Lego movie had a very surprising father-son story that came out of nowhere. The Lego Ninjago movie looks like it could be really fun, and I really want to see it, even though I have no history with the Ninjago Legos. I have never seen the show, and even though I have no history with this, this still looks really fun. This doesn't look like something that's made just for people in the know. Just like the Lego Movie, even if you didn't play with Legos, if you were some sort of weird child and didn't play with them, it was still an enjoyable movie. And same with Lego Batman. Even if you weren't huge in a huge fan of DC, it was still really fun. So here we go for a third go around from this wonderfully reliable movie series and about now is when i'm going to start repeating myself so i'm going to wrap it up i don't have much else to say it's going to look good it's going to be funny it's going to be enjoyable what more do you need to know the lego ninjago movie gets an 8.5 out of 11. next up we have the second film that i'm really excited about but didn't make it as my pick and that movie is called battle of the sexes this is based on the true story of the 1973 tennis match between Billie Jean King and the ex-champ Bobby Riggs. This stars Emma Stone from La La Land, Steve Carell from The Big Short, Andrea Riseborough from Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, Elizabeth Shue from Back to the Future 2 and 3, Bill Pullman from Independence Day, Chris Parnell from Rick and Morty and Archer, and Alan Cumming from The Good Wife. So a lot of you loyal listeners will know that I have a interest in this movie at first because of who the director is. It's Valerie Ferris, who was a daughter of a friend of mine. Someone I met because he came into the grocery store I worked at, and, and we always talked about movies. And he was an editor for a long time. He got his start on Tom and Jerry cartoons. And did TV shows like Bourbon Street Beat, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. These are all like 60s to 70s TV shows. Lawman, Bus Stop. So even if this movie didn't look good... It would still be an honorable mention from me in this episode just because of my connection with him. But it just so happens that this movie does look really good. This is a story that some of us may be familiar with. We may be familiar with it from history classes or hearing about it from our parents growing up. But this was really the first time, or at least the first televised time, and widely televised time, that a man and a woman competed in a sports event. Bobby Riggs was a former tennis champ. Best in the world. Billie Jean King, she was the, at the time, the current best in the world. And then Bobby Riggs had the idea for a match. And so he kept on talking more and more about women, saying, Look, I can beat any woman out there. I'm better than them. Just trying to goad Billie Jean King into saying yes to a match. And if any of you are wondering if you should know the name Valerie Phelps, maybe not. But you've seen her work because we've all seen Little Miss Sunshine. Yes, that was one of her movies. She always directs with her husband, Jonathan Dayton. And that was their first movie, Little Miss Sunshine. And what a hell of a movie to be their first one. Before that, they mainly did music videos. They did music videos for people like Oasis and The Smashing Pumpkins, Macy Gray, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Weezer. And I really don't know how they pick their projects. Because I'm looking on their MDB page in the trivia. And it said they turned down directing movies like The Mod Squad. Which I guess there was a Mod Squad movie in 1999 that I missed. And then Bad Boys 2. But anyway, let's talk about this movie. It looks good. Steve Carell and Emma Stone are always great. And it looks like they're going to be great together. Because we have Steve Carell playing this this chauvinist, and who is aware he's a chauvinist, and hems it up just to get reactions out of people, and also to help him sell the match between him and Billie Jean King. Then we have Billie Jean King, who really is the greatest in the world, but is now asking herself, can she beat the champ? And if she doesn't beat Bobby Riggs, what does that do for women everywhere? So remember, this All this took place in the 70s, in 1973 to be exact. And back then, equality in the workplace wasn't really a thing. So yes, this is also a period piece. You're going to get to see the wonderful styles of the 70s that, thank God, hipsters aren't trying to bring it back yet. But what this all boils down to is a good movie with good acting in it, that it was directed by two people who see, it seems like they know what they're doing. They mainly do music videos, but from the looks of Loma Miss Sunshine, they, they know their stuff. This is going to be a Funny movie, not a comedy straight up, but it is going to be funny at times. It's also going to be heart-wrenching when we see the struggle that Billie Jean King went through just trying to get equal pay at tennis matches. She brings up the fact that the money that the uh, female champion gets is minuscule compared to what a male champion gets. So this is going to be a good movie that shows us the full story of of a story we may have heard before but may not be overly familiar with. Battle of the Sexes gets an eight out of 11 now future friends it is time for my pick of the week and yes we all know what that pick is so say it with me the future flicks pick of the week is kingsman the golden circle the kingsman headquarters is destroyed and a new enemy rears their ugly head the kingsman must travel to america and work alongside a allied spy organization called the Statesmen. This stars Taron Egerton, Colin Firth, Mark Strong, and Sophie Cookson returning from the first one. And this time added to the mix is Channing Tatum from 21 Jump Street, Halle Berry from X-Men, the dude himself, Jeff Bridges, and Pedro Pascal from Game of Thrones. We have Matthew Vaughn returning to direct, and Vaughn also wrote this. He wrote it alongside Jane, Jane Goldman, who wrote the first one, as well as X-Men Days of Future Past and other movies that you all have seen. Of course, this is based off the comic by Mark Miller and Dave Gibbons. And to those of you people who say it's Mark Millar, you know who I'm talking to, you're right as well. According to Twitter, Mark Miller's Twitter, he said both pronunciations are correct, as Miller used to be a trade name, thus would be pronounced differently in different areas. So finally, we have the return of the action hit that came out of nowhere and surprised everyone. Comic book fans knew of The Kingsman before the movie was made, but for the rest of us, and though I like comics, I didn't know this existed, but for the rest of us, this movie just came out of nowhere one day and was huge and was great. It also introduced us to Taron Egerton, an actor who has since blown up. True, he's not as big as other actors out there now, but he's gotten a lot bigger and done some great roles. We also have the return of Colin Firth, because we all know what happened to him in the first one. And I really hope they have a good explanation on how he survived being shot in the face. Oh, and if you were expecting spoiler warnings, this movie was a huge movie released two years ago. Get good. Critter's 10-year moratorium on spoilers is a little out there. When I finally guest star on the two podcasts he's on, uh, I will respect it, but on my show, a year is good enough. Because seriously, if you haven't watched Kingsman The Secret Service by now, it is your fault. You've had plenty of time, and it's a really good movie, and it's something that everyone should have seen. But let's stop talking about whose fault it is or isn't, even though it's yours, and go on to say that this one looks really good. It looks like more of the same, and that's what we want in this situation. We don't want a movie that continually challenges us, not when we're going to the theater to watch a over-the-top action flick. This is going to have flashy visuals. This is going to have spy, and I'm using sarcastic air quotes if you can't see, spy elements to it. But this is a spy movie like we're mainly used to. This is like James Bond-level spy where there's more blowing up than probably should in a spy movie. We have the charm of Taron Egerton, we have the everything is amazing Colin Firth being super handsome, and just great in everything he touches, and then Mark Strong doing the same. So we have a really good cast. We have writers who know what they're doing. We have a director that know, knows who he's, do, who he's doing. <laughs> we have a direct, I, better, I hope he knows who he's doing. We have a director who knows what he's doing, and it all comes together to make a movie that looks like it's going to be really good. So good, in fact, that A Kingsman 3 has already been greenlit. So they're starting to write it as we speak. So with The Kingsman, The Secret Service back in 2015, we had the birth of what's going to be a new, at least trilogy, for an over-the-top world-saving spy movie. So in the first one, we had Samuel L. Jackson wanting to blow up everyone's head. And in this one, we have who I think is Julianne Moore trying to, I don't know, I don't know how she's going to kill people, but I look forward to seeing it. And who knows who's going to be in the third one and what kind of world-ending threat they bring to the picture. But you already know if this is your type of movie. I have a good friend at work. Her name is Jordy, and she likes a lot of bad movies just like me. But this one is not up her alley at all. It doesn't even interest her. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if If, if this is not your thing, it's just not your thing. But for the majority of us, this is going to be something we want to see. And this is something that a lot of us are going to see in theaters. I think this is going to help the slump in movie viewership that the summer blockbuster season had. So it really did a lot for theaters, 130 million, I believe it was, opening weekend and then just doing a lot more since then was really good for the numbers. So we have this movie that's going to come out that a lot of people are excited for, a lot of people who remember the first movie and who are going to go see this one just because the first one was great. So this movie, the first one, and I'm hoping the second one is very aware of what it's doing. So I really hope that the director brings that back for this. So I could go on and on and on about how great I think this is going to be, but I think I should just wrap it up and get on to the question of the week. So let's wrap this up and say the Kingsman, the golden circle gets a 10 out of 11. So this was a really good week for movies. We have three movies that made it on my to be watch list. We had a couple horrors. One of them looks good. The sequel to The Houses at October built looks really interesting. And friend requests could be put on your list to be watched later, maybe, but nothing to watch in theaters. So, yes, we had a really good week. I'm excited. This is the first really good week we've had in a long time. Especially because after summer blockbuster season ended, that's when we are inundated with just from Hollywood that didn't look any good. But now it's starting to look up because fall season is happening and it looks good. Well, my future friends, let's jump into the question of the week. We had quite a few answers this week, mainly because, like I said, I hit I threw the question up on Twitter and Instagram, which got some people to answer. Some people who I, I don't think are listeners of the show, but I'm going to read their answers anyway. Just because it's good answers. So let me bring those up. All right, let's start with Twitter. The first one I got from Twitter was from Brian, who you never disappoint me. You you do not. You bring up the most obscure things. Some of them I know of, some of them I don't. But it, it always makes me happy to see something other than the obvious choices. So Brian writes, favorite spy movie, Lancelot Link, Secret Chimp. Minor correction here, Lancelot Link, Secret Chimp was actually a TV show. I'm not sure if they ever turned into a movie. I don't think they did. From the 1970s, starring uh, a bunch of chimps and then people doing the voices for the chimps. Lancelot, if if you never saw the show, then here's just a little brief thing. Lancelot Link works for the Agency to Prevent Evil, or APE, and their ongoing fight against the evil organization Chump. It was corny 70s goodness, and I I can see why he picked it. It's just plain fun. So good choice there, Brian. The Uncork Gamers also answered that I'm probably Dan. I'm guessing Dan from the Uncork Gamers answered. They said Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. This was a movie directed by George Clooney from 2002 starring Sam Rockwell, Drew Barrymore, and of course, George Clooney. Anything involving George Clooney is amazing. It was based off a book by Chuck Barris, where Chuck Barris proposes that he had been a CIA hitman at one time and we got our first answer from someone who I don't think is a regular listener of the show or even listened before uh this person I believe you say Maki M-A-Q-U-I is uh, on Twitter she said state of grace which you know is another really good answer this was from the early 90s and it starred Sean Penn, Ed Harris, and Gary Oldman and this movie had me at Gary Oldman. Gary, They can put Gary Oldman in any movie and I would watch it. And though this isn't a spy movie in the sense of being an actual spy, it is about this cop going undercover to infiltrate the mob. So there is an espionage element to it. So Maki, if, uh, if you're listening, correct me if I'm saying your name wrong and also welcome to the show. All right, Frat Matt answered. Good old Frat Matt said, man from uncle. And now I'm wondering here if he's talking about the TV show, which would be a good choice, or... The movie that came out a couple years back, also a good choice. Both of them are good. And then also From Russia with Love, one of the best Bond films. Not my favorite Bond film, it's but it's up there on the list. Good, good choice with that one. If you don't remember, this was the Bond film with Robert Shaw in it. He played Quint in Jaws. And finally, as far as the answers go, I turn to Instagram, where we have... Anne. Anne answered, yes, she did. And she said, Spy. Anything with Rose Byrne is perfection. And I agree, she is fantastic. And, and Spy was actually a good movie. Uh, Anne made me sit down and watch it, and I'm glad she did, because it was it was really good. Melissa McCarthy, Rose Byrne, Jude Law, and Jason Statham. And that that was a dream team, as far as the movie goes right there. And who knew Jason Statham could do comedy so well? I knew he could be funny. He was funny in the transporter movies at times. But this was a straight-up comedy, and he did great. But now, my future friends, it is time for my answer. And my answer is a movie called Sneakers. This was released in 1992, starring Robert Redford, Sidney Poitier, David Strathairn, Dan Aykroyd, River Phoenix, Timothy Busfield, Mary McDonald. And James Earl Jones. Oh, and also, um, oh, I'm gonna have to look it up. No, I'm not. It's coming to me. It's, it's not coming to me. I'm gonna have to look it up. That's right. Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley was also in this. Uh, This was a movie where Robert Redford plays this guy who helps people with their security. Basically, his team tries to break into a place with security and tells them what was wrong and how they got into their system or how they broke into their building. And they are tasked with finding a important item by a guy who's i believe they're being blackmailed or oh no, no the, they say they're the cia so they're working for the cia to find this really important item and then also they have something over the main character played by robert redford part of his past that they say hey we can we can get you with this and put you away or you can work for us really good movie one of the last times we saw river phoenix i believe before his untimely demise and Sidney Portier, always great. Dan Aykroyd, Robert Redford, you know the drill. They're all great. So that is it for this episode's Question of the Week. Let's make up a Question of the Week for the next episode. And I'm thinking that really open questions like that, like what's your favorite blank movie, tend to work better. And then eventually, as I run out of genres, I will have to get more and more specific. But for now, let's keep them open with what is your favorite sports movie? There are a ton of these. You could go with... The Rookie with Bull Durham, with Mystery Alaska, you can go any of the Mighty Ducks films, you can go The Sandlot. Tell me, what is your favorite sports film? And that, my future friends, is episode 59 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Thank you for listening. This was a long episode, longer than normal, so thanks for staying with me. Let's wrap this up as we always do with the housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as a Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you took a few moments out of your day to give the podcast a rating on iTunes. Give me all the stars possible. Right now, five is the limit, but if you can find a way to give me six stars, seven stars, a million stars, I'd like that too. But right now, let's stick with five, give me five stars, and then leave a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. And how do you reach me? That is a fantastic question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, or untapped, S. W. N. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast, also on the Somewhat Nerdy podcast network don't forget to check out watch your mouth and encore gamers two good friends of the show be sure to keep an eye open and an ear open for the new podcast coming your way from me and some friends of mine if you want something to watch on the youtube you can watch big d movie hunter link as always in the description and finally my dear friends my dear dear listeners my future friends please remember that no matter where life takes you No matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flip. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.